The Listen In Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. Please consider subscribing on iTunes, giving us a follow on Stitcher or on SoundCloud, and leaving us a review on iTunes. Um, it really helps us out to, to grow and to gain more of a following, so we'd really appreciate it. And with that, let's start the episode. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Listening Podcast, episode number twenty-seven. Jake, we are—we uh, might be a part of the twenty-seven club. Cobain, right. Hendrix, Joplin, Listening Podcast. What do you think? I—I I really, sincerely hope not. And here's an interesting thing about the the twenty-seven club. Amy this, Winehouse. That's right. This is some sad irony. So Nick Drake, singer and songwriter. Uh, extraordinaire, never appreciated like so many great artists in his lifetime. Never sold many records. Died up, died a penniless pauper. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, you could say so. He died like, in truth, like a depressed young man in like his mom's basement, recording Pink Moon, and then like dying. The interesting thing is like he was never appreciated in his time. He was so like he was almost famous he was almost popular you could say yep he also was almost a member of the 27 club he died when he was 26 so he doesn't even get that moniker no, doesn't even get late doesn't even get put in that i think people kind of round up a little bit like when you With were nick drake i think they do because when you're saying like oh i have nine dollars and 89 cents you're just rounding up you're being like i got 10 bucks with nick drake it's like i was alive for 26 years and 268 days you were 27 okay but then couldn't you say like that kurt cobain well he died shortly after his birthday i don't know say like it's hendrix like couldn't you argue he's actually a great example because i know he was born in i think november and died in september couldn't you say he was all pretty much 28 that's a situation where you would round down because it makes no sense because it works fair enough here's a question for you who is your favorite member of the 27 club so you got Cobain, Hendrix, Janis Joplin, and now Amy Winehouse. There's more. I think there's more. All right, we're, let's let's hold the phone while Sean looks this up. Check this. I'm gonna fill out. silence by Dude, filibustering. The first thing that comes up. This actually isn't so much of a surprise when you Google. I I just typed in the 27. It just corrected it to club, which I guess you know that makes sense. It's like right? a famous thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it doesn't surprise me. So, um, oh. Dude, Brian Jones, of the Rolling Stones. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Hold on. Are there others? Yeah, there's others. This link just won't open. I'll filibuster meanwhile. So to make a good grilled cheese, first, lay out Texas toast bread and <laughs> oh, okay, lather okay. generously. Dude, all right, okay, my filibuster's this? done. Robert Johnson. Robert jo- Oh, the, the blues player. Yeah, the old bluesman. Yep. Brian Jones, Jimi Hendrix. Uh, there's a lot more here. I'm just skipping the ones that people probably wouldn't really know. Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison. That's right. We forgot Jim Morrison. Uh, D. Boone, guitar. Oh yeah, get lead singer of the Minutemen. Oh, okay. Um, dude, there's so many on here. You know, so many to... that I haven't heard of. Kurt Cobain, obviously. Feel free not to read all of them. I okay. think I think my favorite is Cobain than Hendrix. Yeah, I would agree. Hendrix with you. second, then maybe Morrison. If I said Janis Joplin, friend of the pod, Mary Kate would kill me because she hates Janis Joplin more than big friend of the pod, though. Big friend of the pod. big friend of the pod, Janis Joplin. You know oh, who... Janis, not Mary Kate. Uh, both. But well, J- so here's the thing, though, Sean, is that Janis was dead years before the pod, so I don't know. Jake, she's looking down on us from heaven, obviously. Oh right. Stay tuned to the end of the episode oh, if you want to know where that com- is coming from. <laughs> yeah. Um. So speaking of Janis Joplin, you know who sounds a lot like Janis Joplin is Francis Francis Quinlan, Quinlan from Hopalong. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so we saw them recently. We did in Portsmouth. It was a good time. They did this little bit where they switched instruments. Yeah, that was cool. Which was really cool. They, I'm surprised they were able to play the songs really well with not their regular instruments. Do you think if you're in a touring band, you're just you pick up on that stuff and you're just okay at pretty much any instrument? Absolutely. And what I was gonna say basically is that that's kind of a parlor trick. I feel like it's not as impressive as it seems. It's fun for the fans. It's like, oh hey, look, like they're switching instruments. 
basically, if you're in a band and you play guitar, you can pretty much play bass. Mm-hmm. If you play bass in a band and you're touring and stuff, you probably have been playing guitar for a long time, so you can do that. And like, I'm sure they knew the one or two people in the band who could drum. And they're like, oh, just you hopped it back there. Yeah. So like, it was fun, though. You know what? Speaking of parlor tricks, you know what that reminds me of is when I am at a party and I go into Magic Sean mode. It's awesome for two reasons. One is that Magic Sean as a moniker has no ring to it whatsoever, makes it ten times more hilarious. Second, because it's fun for you know, it's fun for the crowd there, because people in a drunk stupor are very easily amused by magic. That's <laughs> they're like maybe a little frightened too. I am always <laughs> a, a wash with fear. And you know what happens though? I do a card trick, and you get that asshole who. Thinks- no, no, no! <laughs> I know how this one's done. Okay. Yeah. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Do, no, 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 no. Do it again. Do it again. No, no, no. That right. I want this card. I want that one. Okay, have and that like, one. And how is it for you when they're doing that and like you can tell they don't get it? Uh, no, it's great because I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like I know the trick and you can pick literally whatever card you want and yeah. it's not going to matter. They think they're pulling the wool over my eyes. Yeah. It's not happening. We have one friend, I'm not going to say who it is, who does that shit all the time. And I'm always like, mm, you're not the smartest. Um, but anyways, Magic Sean will be out and about. <laughs> Maybe we'll do a Prem Team thing where... Uh, I'll do a, a magic act for the preem. Post a YouTube video through YouTube. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask you, going a complete heel turn from Magic Sean. I wanted to talk about the Stroke CP with you for a minute. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. Because I'm gonna drudge yep. this up. So you're okay. not a fan, which I can get. I'm not saying I love it. I did listen last night, and I'm liking it more. There's three songs, and really, the reason I'm bringing this up is that big friend of the pod, Spencer, uh, Spencer yep. Young. Yep. Um, he was texting me about this. He's a Strokes fan going way back, and he has a theory for why it's named what it is. Yeah, because it's their sounds across the Okay, inter- yeah, that's what thing. he was saying. You have a clear is this it style slash room on fire style. You have a pretty clear, I think, angles sound or come down machine sound. Come down sound. machine sound. Yeah, you have everything. Fu- yeah. And then the new one where his voice is all pitched up and robotic sounding is like yeah. the future. I thought it was interesting. I hadn't thought Oh, of it I thought that, that way. was pretty clear just and you know what's funny is that when I was thinking about saying this, I was like, Sean will react this way. He'll like... <laughs> he'll like, like a know-it-all dick. Yeah, he'll just like <laughs> kind of ruin it, which is funny. No, yeah. it's not a big deal. I don't well, care. so I don't know if you read the Pitchfork review on it today. It was actually pretty good. They gave it a six, yeah. They talked about how the Strokes have become just a kind of a classic rock act yeah. at this point. They way are. They've been around 16 years. It's interesting, though, 15. because you wouldn't think of a band like... I guess the National or Arctic Monkeys or even Arcade Fire, who have been around just as long, who, you don't think of them as this classic rock act. You you still think of them as coming out with relevant stuff. Yeah. You don't think about that with the Strokes. I think they made a great point about how their fans are just kind of... They treat them like you would treat if Led Zeppelin or the Rolling Stones were coming out with new albums. It's like, oh, we'll we'll give it a listen just because it's them, but... We just we love their older stuff. That's all we really care about. Well, you know what's interesting though is that while that's been the the story, that's been sort of the rhetoric thrown around by a lot of critics. I do feel like they have cha- at least even if people don't like these new iterations, they have changed their sound. I mean, that's what the name of the album actually even speaks to is that they have had different sounds through time, through different albums, and they've only had what is it four or five f- proper full lengths? Five, four, four. Yeah, come down machine angles. No, first no, impressions five. You're right. on fire. Five. Yeah, five. And so, to me, I feel like they've made some decent like progression. And I, I don't know. To me, this EP, it's interesting to see how it's being received because I feel like there are some people who are receiving it actually very positively. Some are very very negative. But here's the question: I think we talked about this last week. Are people receiving that positively because it's the Strokes? So, because they want to like it because it's the Strokes. Imagine if some no-name band came out with this EP. I don't think you'd care about it. There's two, I think, ways to answer that question, though, because there's like, do you like it because it's the Strokes in the sense that I feel obligated to like it because it's the Strokes, or do you like it because it's the Strokes and you like the Strokes? I think a lot of people like the Strokes. And like, so for me, I was listening yesterday and I was like, oh, this, I actually now like Drag Queen and I really like Oblivious. The last song is still eh. It's like a little bit too is this it and it's it's okay. It's, it's it's pleasant. It's like what a a bad is this it song would sound like. I think bad's the wrong word, but but I it's like I a think nothing it, is this it song. Just a 
it's there. Sure. Song. And if it was on, I wouldn't like necessarily shut it off. It's just a song. It's like whatever. It sounds fine. I actually like the first two songs a decent amount. With the amount of great music that is out there that it just came out this year alone. Yeah. Why am I gonna waste my time listening to this okay strokes EP? I mean, it's like fifteen minutes of your day. Why am I gonna listen to it? Though? Well, I listened last night because I wanted Because to. it's the strokes. No, because I wanted to. Why did you want to though? Because I like the strokes. I like Julian Casablancas' voice. I like the riff on Oblivious. I like the way the vocals sound on Drag Queen. I like Wait, things... is Drag Queen the chipmunk voice one? Yeah. Fuck that song. I like that song. Uh, no. I think it's cool. I I respect that you like it. I thought it was kind of forgettable. I'm not going to go back and listen to this. I might listen to the song Oblivious. I think this is classic late career band where they're like you know what this is i don't really know what else we're gonna do this is a business at this point the strokes is a brand now and they make a lot of money off of it and we're just gonna keep going with this cash cow they have truly turned into a classic rock act that's just milking that cash cow I don't bl- and that's fine. I don't. Bl- that's totally fine. I don't blame you for thinking that way, but I don't agree in full because, and I've read this in a lot of reviews. Like some people are writing about this album, like it sounds like the Strokes are having some fun again. Like some people, that is not. Uh... That's not your takeaway. That's not your takeaway. Some people think that. And when I was listening yesterday, I had my best listen ever last night. I actually replayed a couple songs. Like you know what? These are some fucking okay songs. I like these songs. And and it's hard. I, so I, I think people have said. Since angles or first impression, oh, the strokes are back. Don't look now. They're having a little fun. They're cutting loose. People have tried that storyline every single time. And look, let's just face facts. This is a band who came out with one amazing classic album. I think Room on Fire is a very, very... It's like bordering on a classic album. It's not a classic album. No. I love that record. It's a very, very good album. It's not objectively not a classic album. You can't it's, say without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, think about how many people that album is important for. Most, A lot of my friends who are big Strokes fans like that album as much or more. I think... It's an Arctic Monkey situation where some people like... what Whatever people say and will be remembered, a lot of people like... Right, let me ask uh, you Favorite this. Worst Nightmare Okay, more. let me frame it this way. Okay. On every end of the decade list, what was absolutely on there in, is the this top, it? in the top 15. But you're thinking about it from a critic's that's, list that's, perspective? Yes, that's what I'm. That's how I'm referring to it as, yes. Yeah. Because that, when people talk about classics, yeah. that's usually the context in which it's framed in. Sure, but... I don't think... Room on, look, I love Room on Fire. Yeah. You know that. Of course. It's not on the same level of, as Is This It Is. I agree with you. I don't think it's like as far off as people would think, and it really the reason people think it's so vastly better it's just because of part of its hype part of it is like oh, is this yeah. it's been written up for oh, years oh of course and it wor- honestly that hype machine works, works. for sure let me I, i'm getting off my point though what i'm trying to say is the strokes came out fine they came out with two great records in the early 2000s first impressions of earth they came back down to earth a little bit sure then they come back years later with angles and it's every single release has felt like they're trying to recapture the sound of those first two with slight variations on that sound, whether it be more production or different toned guitars. You could say or that about any filters. band ever. I know. What I'm saying though is that they're not going to get that back, and that's fine. But, People can stop being like, "Oh, I, maybe the Strokes are back." I don't know. They're I, having fun again. What does that even mean? I know, but what hurts—that's the thing—is what hurts them is that. The critical write-up. What hurts the Strokes is that people can't just fucking listen to a. No, Strokes what hurts record. is the songs aren't as good. I disagree, man. They're not I, as good. They're not as good. But when I listen to Angles, when I listen to Come Down Machine, when I'm listening to this EP, I'm liking the music, and I feel like there's too much of of like what the Strokes should be. That's it. Yeah. That's, I just take yeah. it for what it is, dude. I like really do, and I actually enjoy these songs. Yeah. No, but, like, that's a the good problem point. is is like people won't fucking believe you. People hear that and they're like, no, no, no. That's just because of the stroke. Would you like it if it were someone it's else? The person, it's the person who's trying to poke holes in my magic trick. They're, no, no, no. No, no, no. It's that card right there. But in this case, it's my magic trick and it's, <laughs> it's you a little more drunk and mad at the person who is doing that. So you're taking it out on me. Right, right. Oh, no, let's poke holes in Jake's logic. No, all I'm saying is like, look, I I kind of like to to poke you on this because I know 
I'm right. gonna get this reaction. Well, you love to hate the Strokes now. You I kind of do. Admit, I, 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 I do actually because I think it's easy to 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 not defend them. I think it's easy to hate them. Yeah, because and easy to make fun of. They have the same aesthetic as they always yeah, did. Dude, Julian is still dressing like he did in 2001, except now he looks like a bloated, like beached whale. I don't know. Hot beached take right whale. Well, that's I the hottest take of the pod ever. Yeah. A beached he, whale. You know, like, Has he gained weight? Yeah, dude. He looks so bloated. Really? His face is just like... He's like 40 now, isn't he? Yeah. And he's still, you know, trying to pass off as this hipster 2001 New York City rocker. That's fair. Which is fine, dude. Like, that's what I'm saying, though, is the strokes are what they're going to be. They're gonna. They're not going to light the world on fire anymore. It's never going to happen again. They're going to keep being the strokes, and they're going to keep mattering because of those first two records. The shit they come out with now isn't making me love the strokes more. It's actually making me a little bit more sad that they just keep churning this stuff out. Yeah, but there's, there's like two inherent problems with that argument, and it's an argument people make a lot about bands like this. One is that there's this idea that we are owed just enough music by any band. It's their livelihood. It's what they love to do. And, like, they really like making music, and they, they like, enjoy it, and they're good at it, and so they want to keep doing it. It's all they've ever known as, like, they've done it since they were young men. So this is actually... They're not obligated to stop just so that our idea of them is, is, is written in stone. I actually completely agree with that. I like that they're just continuing to tour, play festivals, churn stuff out. So they should just do greatest hits the rest of their time. Because a lot of people will give them shit for that, for just not trying. On festivals? Yeah. Dude, that's all anyone really wants. You think anyone's like, oh, uh, play this Come Down Machine deep cut? If, dude, if they played like Tap Out or Welcome to Japan, I'd be happy. Yeah, because those are the best songs on that album. But right, like if they're going to be playing, you know, okay, let's say you went to go see The Strokes where after they came out with Come Down Machine. They're doing an album tour. They're playing 80% of Come Down Machine, and because of that, they're playing less songs off of Room on Fire as a say. Would enjoy- you be happy? It would be less enjoyable exactly. for sure. Exactly. But it doesn't mean they can't make that record. I'm not saying that. I right. think it's great that they're doing that because but you it's just making said, them money. You, you just said it makes you like upset and sad that they even do it. It makes me sad that they're never going to reach the highs that they used to. I'm so, not saying they like, can't come out with stuff. And that brings me to the other problem, which is that these bands, bands who release a great first record are just doomed because there's really there's no way they can. They're doomed they're they're damned if they do, they're damned if they don't. They could release a legitimately awesome record and people would not give it the time of day. They really wouldn't. It would be really hard. They'd have to like fully reinvent themselves and sound entirely different. Yeah. And people would be like, "Are the look at them trying to just like recapture the magic again? The poor sad strokes old are having stro- fun again. Oh, the poor sad old strokes. Even the way they're written about, they're having fun. Like that's that. It makes them. Dude, they're also like- not having fun because I'm pretty sure everyone in that band hates each other. It makes sense. I don't I, think they're having fun. Well, I think in the early days, Julian Casablancas wrote everything for the band and like had them play it just so. And it's maybe no coincidence that I think the album where they started to kind of all write their own parts and stuff, which is first impressions, I think, or or was it uh was it angles? Either way I think it was angles. Things started to unravel a little bit. Yeah. Because maybe he's the most talented member of the band. Yeah. So that reminds me, I was mowing the lawn yesterday or the other day, and I was listening to Celebration Rock by Japan Droids. Mm-hmm. That for me has always been a huge mowing the lawn album just when it came out that summer 2012 it's four years old now by the way the lyrical themes are rife with lawn mowing mowing. fires highway exactly Um, that's how i feel when i'm on 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 a ride on mower that's right it's hot out adrenaline night shift absolutely you're shifting into the the turtle gear that's right (laughs) (laughs) but anyways i was listening to that realized it was four years old at this point realized that we haven't heard hide nor hair of anything that the Japan droids have Japan droids have been up to. Yeah. Is this going to go down as one of the most mythic two album outputs in rock music history? I because think... you if you want to talk about the Strokes who are like they're going to keep coming out with stuff and they're not going to be just stopping after those first two albums, that's exactly what it seems like Japan droids are doing. Yeah, and I think the even more interesting question, whether or not we will get it, because obviously we don't know, is do you want that to happen? See, I was thinking about that the other day. I, I was thinking I love Celebration Rock so much. 
I seriously, I listen to that album and it makes me so happy. Yeah. And I love it more than I can even explain. It means so much to me just from a musical standpoint and an emotional one. Mm -hmm. The expectations that would be on a third Japan Droids album would be so huge. I don't know that could ever live up. I don't know that they can make a better record than Celebration Rock. Yeah. And I think they maybe kind of know that. Well, and it's like there's another situation where they maybe make an album that is better, but it's not received that way. So, for example, at Fleet Foxes, um, we their first album, just their first LP, Fleet Foxes, for me and I know for you is like this mythic record. It sounds like just a bunch of people came out of the woods and recorded these harmonies and instruments. It was this beautiful thing and it just ended. Well, then they came out with Helplessness Blues, and we saw them on tour. And some of that mystery was, that that shroud was taken away, and we realized these are guys who write songs. And, like, Helplessness Blues, by by all, for all intents and purposes, is an excellent album. I love that record. It is. But did it ruin the myth of Fleet Foxes a little bit? So I think you could make that same argument with The Strokes. And right. I, honestly, if you... It's an album I like. If, you, if you ask me, I think Fleet Foxes, their first record... Fleet Foxes is the equivalent to Is This It? Sure. Helpless is Blues is the equivalent to Room on Fire. Yeah. But it got yeah, right. I think it's I think you could make similar comparisons there. Right. And but just because it dampened what I enjoyed like so it actually didn't dampen Fleet Foxes at all, because I love that album. Um I think it's in many ways arguably as good or better than Fleet Foxes, but because of what Fleet Foxes means to me and the way it sounds to me. I just love the way that album's recorded and what it represents. Right. It never will be as as good. But should they? Um, I forget what my point was. It was I was just trying to say that like, um, should bands have to think that long term? Should they have to think? Will this affect like the way people view us? We have this great first record, and it could be a situation where we're remembered forever for this one thing. But we're a bunch of twenty somethings. Or thirty somethings, and we want to keep I, recording. I, I don't. I don't think you can think that way. No, when you're coming out with that, I don't that's think why you should think. And that's that why way. it's an unfair rep, like, at, like request of the music listening pop like population mm-hmm. is we want these bands to maintain their image and maintain and what we it's think of. Almost them. not possible. No. So because we, the, their music represents way different things to us than it does to them. Yeah. Of to course them, it's it important in a whole different way. It's yeah. what they created. Right. Uh, they can't listen to it in the way we do. And, I mean, it makes for fun conversations like this, though, where you look at... And, of course, these are conversations that can only happen after years of context of having these albums in our life. Yeah, yeah. But getting back to Japan Droids, what do you think? Is the legacy of Japan Droids maybe better off without having a third album? Those two albums, especially Celebration Rock, are so critically loved and loved by fans. Yeah. It's... Astounding. I don't. I don't know if I've ever heard so much goodwill towards a spe- specific album as Celebration Rock. That still gets referenced and mentioned and quoted on Twitter by by music writer Twitter all the time. It maybe is in some ways comparable, not musically, but in terms of a, a chronology to a My Bloody Valentine type of thing, because they put out. Um, is it isn't anything? Is that the name of their first album? Uh, Something I think like so. That? Yeah, I've listened once or twice. Then Loveless, which is like maybe their Celebration Rock, except what I really should say is that Celebration Rock is their <laughs> Loveless. Lo- yeah. Because Loveless is like this just written in stone classic of the <laughs> right. 90s and of all time. Right. Love that album. And then they don't come out with another album until like 2012. That's right. 2011. And there was some critical love there. There was. A big risk for My Bloody Valentine. Because there's so much to be said about that myth of that. What's his name? Is it Kevin Smith? Kevin Shields? Kevin something. It's Kevin something. Kevin S, we'll call him. Mm -hmm. Um, From My Bloody Valentine, there's this whole mythos about how he was this unhinged, sort of slightly crazy genius. And My Bloody Valentine and Loveless just killed him. It, like, floored him. He couldn't do anything ever again because it would never stack up. If that becomes the legend of Japan droids, that would be maybe kind of interesting. But then what if they... So it's 2030, the year 2030, and they come out with LP3. So, by the way, it is Kevin Shields. Um, Shields, okay. Hey, hell yeah. Yeah. So, that's the thing about a My Bloody Valentine is their type of music, they can come out with an album 20 years later and it's fine. Japan Droids, the music that they make, I don't think 
rings true if yeah. they come out with another record in 20 years. Yeah, and it still might not, might not right now because Celebration Rock, the backstory on that, I, I think, was kind of like they were gonna quit being a band. Really, they're like, oh, we'll give it this last last effort. Yeah, and it ended up being a huge hit, huge success. And that's the and kind it of... sounded like everything they put into that album was kind of about that. It was very much a blood, sweat, and tears type of thing, and those are the themes on the album as well. It. After a little tasting a little success and playing Pitchfork Fest and being on critics' top year-end list, does that type of music really have the same punch and effect as it did before that? And that brings up a great point, which is that what people really actually want when they want a great album, obviously it's the songs, obviously it's a lot of that, but really at the core of what makes a great album instead of a good album a lot of times it's the story behind it. oh yeah. it's it's part it's the storytelling aspect it's what is it's the myth associated with it um and i think that is very true for celebration rock because that story of this just two guys who are ready to call it quits so they lay it all on the line yep. and like the story of him is it the house that heaven built yep. where he recorded vocals that are tech like they're outside his vocal range but he just screamed them until he got them and, and they're out there and like they've recorded these songs now and they're forever, you know, there for us to enjoy. That myth is maybe more important than the album it itself. It is. And as the years tick by, and it's been three years, four years now since Celebration Rock came out, I think that myth and the legend around that album grows and grows and people hype it up into this thing. Not to say, honestly, when you listen again, the songs hold up. Oh, they're it's great still songs. Amazing. That's not even really my point, is it? But that the legend good. grows as well. And, dude, imagine if, if they close out with Celebration Rock. That's it. The last song they put on record is is Continuous Thunder. And you just, the last thing we hear, those those little fireworks bursts going off into the night, and that's all we get. That's actually, as, mu- as much as that would suck because I wanted Japan Droid's album really bad, it's also really, really cool, I think. The absolute best we will get from a, a third Japan Droid, Droid record is a helplessness blues type of thing where it's like it's really great on its own merits it's doing its own interesting spin on what they were already loved for but it can't be celebration rock again no it can't and it will because if it is it won't be very good they can't just try to recreate that same energy or if they do they have to like somehow ratchet it to a level that's insane so i was on twitter the other day i think it might have been ian cohen who tweeted about this and he goes, yeah, it's not lost on me, the comparison between Post Nothing by Japan Droids, along with Celebration Rock, and the comparison between Home Like No Place and Goodness by Hotel Year, where kind of Post Nothing was this critically loved, and a lot of fans of that genre really liked it. Yeah. And then they exploded more in, in terms of critical acclaim and wider spread fan adoration with Celebration Rock, where I think the same thing's happening with Goodness with the right hotelier. now. Yeah. yeah, that's really interesting. an interesting comparison. I mean, it happens with a lot of bands. So have you... Do you listen to Local Natives? I do. Yeah, I've listened to both their albums. I got into them um, when I was still at, at UNH in college. Okay. Shout out to the University of New Hampshire. Big friend big, of the pod. Big friend of the pod. So they came out with a new single or song. I don't even know if it's a single. So they're coming out with a new album in September. I listened to it, and it it made me it gave me a realization about local natives. One is I've never really liked them that much, actually. Really? Uh, yeah. To me, they sound like an industry created indie band. Interesting. Like this is what an indie band should sound like if they're just kind of this friendly sounding sort of folky kind of eccentric but like but not pushing any boundaries whatsoever really right their lyrics are a little bit lame none of their melodies are as good as i want them to be all of their songs sound fine yeah they're just not interesting to me at all and that's exactly what i got from this new single and I realized looking back, that last album they came out with, I forget what it's even called. Hummingbird. I, yeah, I felt the same way about almost every single song on that album. I kind of remember you thinking that, and I I don't have like, I'm not going to die on the local native's hill, but I, I think I 
maybe like them more than that. I because I listened to that album when I got into them was when that album came out. So I'll give their first record a listen too. And I, I actually do agree with a lot of that sentiment, but I I enjoy a lot of those songs. I don't they're, know. And the yeah, thing is, is like fine. they're like enjoyable enough. Yeah, they're not. It's not like oh, I'm so excited to listen to this local natives. And we have a lot of friends who are big local natives fans way more than we are. You're right. And I think we got kind of swept up in that, or at least I did. Where I was like, oh yeah, local natives, they're a good band. It's like no, they're actually they're they're kind of forgettable. I think Local Natives is at least a decent band. They're fine. They're fine. Yeah. They're fine. They're just not what I find terribly interesting about rock music. Let me right ask now. you this. Are they a little bit of the indie in quotes with a capital I indie scene? What Into It Over It is to the emo scene for you? Because oh. that's I think kind of how I feel about Into It Over It. Yeah. Where they're just sort of what it, it's like every song I hear I'm like this is what emo and this sound like should sound that's like, but I'm not enjoying point. any of these melodies that's for any particular great, reason. That's a great point. Where, yeah, that's a perfect comparison. It's generic sounding. Insert genre here. Yeah, and I just never feel like. And I like into it over it. There's some song, and it's actually the same exact thing. Where it's like there's local native songs that I really like. Yeah, right. There's into it over it songs that I really like. I'm not here to trash but, into it over. But it. I think that's a great comparison. But when I listen to into it over it. Maybe in a similar way to when you listen to the local natives, I just feel like I'm not. I I can tell it's this weird disconnect where I'm like I can tell these songs are technically good, right, and catchy, but there's something that I can't even put a finger on that's not connecting with me. Yeah, there is a disconnect there. I don't really know what it is. I feel like that is. Uh... For example, like today when I saw that their new album's coming out in September. I wasn't excited at all. I thought, oh, I'm going to have to listen to that because I just kind of have to. I feel obligated to listen to a new Local Natives record. And I'm already setting myself up to dislike it and fail, which isn't fair. Right. But that's just how I feel about them. Yeah, I mean, well, maybe they'll surprise you. You never know. Yeah. You know what album we were not disappointed by, Sean, is um, this new Car Seat Headrest album, which we haven't had the chance to talk about on the podcast No, yet. Teens of Denial is... Awesome. It's unbelievable. It's a great, great record. So one of my favorite things about it is how steeped in classic rock yeah. it is. So obviously, if no one knows the backstory, there's a song on there called Just What I Needed slash Not Just What I Needed. And it originally yeah. sampled Just What I Needed by The Cars. And Rico Kasich said, nuh-uh. No, no, no. Yeah, so they thought, well, Will Toledo, the, the guy behind car seat headrest moniker thought that they had permission to use that sample apparently they did not sounds Matador, like he did some pulling out of the rug from underneath yeah, or they talk seat. i think they just talked to the wrong person to be honest with you that sucks so, matador, so now it's just called not what i needed by the way okay that's just the name okay. of it now um so matador the record label had to destroy like fifty thousand dollars worth of recalled records and cds which is just such a waste it's crazy it made me Kind of mad at Rico Kasich of the Cars, a band I like. Their first album's really good, um, but at the same time, I mean, like, I get it. If if he didn't authorize it, I feel like so. If I were him, or if I were the Cars, the people who represent the Cars, if I heard like, oh, well, we'll have to dest destroy thousands of records, I would probably waver and just be like, okay, use the, the yeah. Song. But that's you, who is a reasonable person who yeah. cares about the environment and other people. This is a uh, egomaniac rock star true enough who probably thinks that your your biggest hit is just being stolen yeah that's true and in listening to the song and dude, now he's probably had years of just drug use and paranoia all playing out maybe i don't know the car's like history with with drugs or dude, anything like if you that. were a rock band in the late 70s and 80s Unle i think you were on drugs unless you were straight edge you too yeah that's true who i don't think dabbled in a none of that so sean i'm interested what is like? What do you think is your favorite song on Teens of Denial? I there's so many good songs. So just for a little context, there's 12 tracks on here. It's 70 minutes long. On the track list, there's uh, nearly an eight minute song, an eight and a half minute song, an 11 and a half minute song, two six minute songs, and a couple that are in the five to six range. So there's some long songs on here. Yeah. But I think, unlike what happened to me with Drake and with James James Blake, something about ache. If it rhymes with my name, I'm not going to like it if it's too long. I think that's what we've learned. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, ache 
is a perfect comparison to make with that James Blake album. Right. Because it just makes, like, your stomach ache, your headache. But Early... l- luckily it makes you fall asleep. True enough. So Soothes you, those kind of goes away. Earlier uh, I was texting with fr- big, huge, massive friend of the pod, Josh. I was Because I was texting him about... Um, about Parquet Courts, and I was like, if you like this record, you should listen to Velvet Underground. And that's a long way of saying it. and I was like, we got to talking about other music, and he was like, I still need to listen to Joyce Man. I was like, oh, dude, listen to Never Hung Over Again. Listen to it soon. It's 19 minutes. Like, I only say that because when I find out an album is really short, I'm way more likely to listen to it. And we were talking about, he was like, when I see, like, Drake's album or James Blake's and how long they are, he's like, I cringe a little. Yes. And we were talking, we were just making comparisons to what is as long, and I was like, the director's cut of the Godfather trilogy is like, you could finish Drake in about that time. <laughs> you, he was like, and we were talking about how uh, children have been born, raised, grown up, had families of their own, and died in the time it takes to play that James Blake record. <laughs> Like a gener- like a generations long war. <laughs> the 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 hundred years war yeah. lasted less time than it takes to get through the first half of James Blake's new record. That James Blake record is still being made at so long. <laughs> and we were talking about how like the definition of purgatory is is like having four tracks left on that record and not being asleep yet. And <laughs> Which is impossible though. <laughs> It's not fair how much we show on this. No, I think Josh not. said like you can ascend and descend Mount Everest in the time it takes <laughs> to listen to the to the album. The the never ending story is shorter than color and anything. That's right. That's right. Um, so that was a a long tangent. But where what do you uh, what are you feeling for? I think I know what your your pick is. So I have an interesting relationship with some of the songs on Teens of Denial because two of the songs fill in the blank and Drunk Drivers Killer Whales came out pretty well before the album was released yep. and I listened to the shit out of those out to those songs beforehand. Right. So those I love and are among my favorites but it's a little bit different it's just because it has that that doesn't feel like it's part of the album syndrome that happens yep. with re- pre-released songs. My favorite though that is that I discovered through listening to the album is Destroyed by Hippie Powers. Um, I love that song. Because Powers is my mom's maiden name and Powers is a big part of the family. I always like to think that Hippie Powers <laughs> is like this long lost uncle of mine. <laughs> His name's like John in quotes Hippie Powers. Yep. And, and and he destroyed Will Toledo. Uh, that's up there for me. My other favorites are um, I love Cosmic Hero and the ballad of uh, Costra Concordia, which yeah. are a combined like 20 minutes long. Yeah. Um, and I. Love, uh, yeah, fill in the blank is like probably so. One of my favorite things about this album is it takes themes of substance abuse and depression and anxiety, s- talks about them in a different way. In in my opinion, it's a really honest way to look at them, especially on songs like I think Destroyed by Hippie Powers and then Drugs with Friends. Yeah, it. it I think it's on Drugs with Friends where he's going like I, I took mushroom and acid. Mushroom and acid. And he, I did not ascend. I just or like I did not transcend. I, I just, just feel like a walking piece of shit in a stupid looking jacket. Yeah, I think that's yeah. so accurate to so many people's experience with any type of substance abuse, where you think it's going to be this transcendent experience, and right. it, and you're kind of looking at it as a solution to maybe the the mental health things that you're going through and it maybe doesn't end up being that way you maybe feel worse well it also gets to the idea of of hype and the idea of of what he expected out of taking drugs which i assume this is somewhat autobiographical it certainly sounds yeah yeah um but there's a lot of expectation there's so much glamour around dropping acid and like what that meant for certain eras and certain people and what the experience is about in quotes experience and and then when if someone tries it themselves and they're not maybe in the right mood it's just kind of scary and makes you paranoid and it's it's this interesting idea of you know uh, of this not living up at all to what it's supposed to be about and one of the things i love about fill in the blank is that line where he goes um you have no right to be depressed you haven't tried hard enough to like it yeah i love that line not only does Will Toledo seem like he has a real handle and understanding of what it's like to feel that way. He also gets how it comes across to other people 
and has internalized the things that they say to him about it. And like Will Toledo seems like a really smart guy to me. me he too. was on the the Celebration Rock podcast. He with was really Stephen good. On it. Great interview. Really good interview. He seemed he just was very well spoken, smart guy. It seems like he is a very self aware person throughout this entire album. He, there's like bits of humor in here and like those lines on fill in the blank. I think he just gets it. Let me ask you this because this is something I've been wondering. So on Drunk Driver Killer Whales. Are killer whales cars? Is it that what that be. means? Because he's talking about how, like, basically he's saying, don't drive drunk. Like, you're killing people right. by driving drunk. People don't do it. And then there's that whole lyric at the end. It, it's just this basically, he keeps repeating, it doesn't have to be like this. It doesn't have to be like this. Killer whales. Killer whales. And I, I could never figure that out. But is he saying, like, a car? Is this, like, giant killer thing? I think that would be a great guess for that and a good good comparison that's probably the most accurate thing the other couple sense. things the other couple points um that i wanted to make about this album is i in a year that has been for rock at least for us been so dominated by emo and punk it's cool to hear someone come out with an album that's really refreshing and awesome that's just like a straight up good old rock record. i agree you know you're not getting an 11 minute song called the ballad of the costa concordia on an emo record. No, you're you know, not. Pup's not coming out with that song. No. And there's these big classic rock guitar licks yeah. in the middle of that song that we don't really get anymore. And no. they're awesome to hear. And not to mention, uh, and he uh, in the interview he didn't mention this re- this at all, and I was surprised. I really think that that he, he reminds me of Beck in a lot of ways, especially on a song like um, Joe Gets Kicked Out of School for Using Drugs with Friends, whatever that whole song mm-hmm. is called. Most of it's parenthetical. That song sounds so much to me like something off of Mellow Gold or something. And the, his vocal delivery, we've talked about this a bunch of times. It sounds like Beck crossed with Julian Casablancas. And in the interview with, with Stephen Hyden, he mentioned that he was really inspired, or I think maybe Hyden said this, that he sounded inspired by bands like Pavement and Guided by Voices. And I was thinking, like, Beck's a part of that era. Like, he sounds like that. I didn't, I'm not sure. And he didn't reference it. I was very surprised. I really thought for sure he would say... Yeah, I, I think Guided by Voices is a good comparison, too, and that's been written about in a lot of reviews. But these songs are so much album. more fleshed out than a Guided by oh, Voices. Oh, yeah, song. for sure. And longer. For sure. Four, five, six times as long. So I was listening a lot today to his previous album called Teens of Style. I've listened once to that album. I like the title of this one being Teens of Denial compared to Teens of Style. It's cool. He I references like, Teens of Style on Teens of Denial. What he, song is He does. That? Um, I don't remember. He sings like, we're just Teens of Style. But I can't remember in what context. It's in one of the, There's so many lyrics on this album. Know, it's 70 I minutes know. long. And I kind of listen to it as like a whole, honestly. I do too. Well, I sort of listen to yeah, it straight through. There's some songs that I'll pick out here and there if, yeah, I'm, you that's know, if I'm in the mood. To, but yeah, overall I do. But I was listening to Teens of Style and that's a great rock album too like he, this guy just knows how to write good rock songs he and does. he's a knack for melody he's there's a i think there was a reference in the other one about how he loves the beach boys or something and it really shows through Makes sense. a it, lot of the stuff he's doing and it seems he's very prolific too because he just released teens of style which was it's matador he's on right yeah it was his debut for that label like last fall and he comes out with this album in this well summer spring and um and he released before these two albums, so, I think, a score of just, like, <laughs> self-released Bandcamp albums. Yeah, so if you look on, on Spotify, he has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven albums, including Teens of Style and Teens of Denial, dating back to 2013. And so, so look at that. He has had seven albums worth of output in three years, basically. And he's what, our age, 23? He's, he's pretty much exactly our age. He was born between us. His ah, birthday's two days before yours, August 23rd right. of uh, 92. That's right. That's the that's my birthday magic coming back into play. <laughs> I mean, right. I saw it one time, so of course I'll <laughs> never forget Will Toledo's birthday. I was thinking about this the other day, and I was wondering, what might I be able to do if I couldn't do that? Like, would math be in the in the equation for me? Dude, you would be a nuclear scientist. Maybe I would. You'd Yeah, you'd be... Changing lives. I'd give up every birthday I remember to be a nuclear scientist, Sean. Would you, though? No, not really. I don't think you would. I don't know. 
I don't know. Frankie Cosmos, who I'm just looking at on Spotify, <laughs> she's younger than us, dude. Yeah. Frankie Cosmos was born in 1994. Isn't she somebody's niece? It's or... Kevin Klein's daughter. Okay. Famous, famed actor Kevin Klein. That's right. That's um, right. Another album that's been big for yeah, us this year. Yeah, love that album. Me too. So I guess to, to kind of wrap up, I've started to um, rank my albums of the year for our half yearly list. Oh, yeah. It's really hard. It see well because we've listened to an actually painstaking. I said that word weird. Painstaking <laughs> number of records this year, to a point where we had a discussion last like two weeks ago where we were like, let's maybe chill a little. We had a come to Jesus moment about it where we said we need to relax. Yeah, because it's making music not fun. Because it was stressing us out. Yeah. Because we had an unspoken but totally spoken competition about it. Yeah. Where I would like I'd look at our spreadsheet we have, which is the nerdiest yep. fucking thing you can ever do. But we have a spreadsheet with a list of the albums we've listened to, and I'd be like, Sean's at eighty five, and I'm at eighty three. <laughs> Yesterday I was up one, now I'm down down two. I'll have to listen to five today just to get ahead, <laughs> and it makes you not enjoy records as right. much. Right. Well, I'm and, glad we've taken a step back. And from ever that. since we've taken a step back. I've enjoyed listening to music so much more. Here's the thing, though. I don't know if you're about to reveal, because we have a podcast coming out. Oh, on we our do. Top. Don't say it, because I actually don't want to know. I'm not going to look at your rankings at all. Okay. I'm not going to look at all. I hope you don't look at mine. I might. Don't look at mine. Okay. I want it to be a surprise. Okay. I think that'd be more fun. Okay. okay. I'm interested to see how some of these albums that we've just been getting into this past week, uh, Whitney... And um, and uh, what's it called? Big Thief. Yeah. Where those might. I was thinking about in. that today, and this is my favorite thing when you start to rank for the year, is new albums come out, and you start to be like, I could see this being uh, at this level, and then the more you listen, you're like, Oh no, this deserves to be even higher. Yeah. And it's cool to see how how much they climb the yeah. more you listen. Like today, when I started the day, I was like, Yeah, Whitney and Big Thief are good albums. Then I got a couple listens into that. I was like, no, these are really good albums. So like, for just a, a touch of, of context here, Whitney is this two-part band. They play this sort of, it almost sounds 70s, country rock, sort of inspired pop. One it's of the, really cool. It's one of the members from Smith Westerns. Yep. And I don't remember the other band that the other guy is in. I don't recall either. from. The guitars on it are beautiful. There's some really nice horns on the record, check check Whitney out. The name of it's Light on the Lake, right? Or Light on on a Lake. Light on the Lake. And then, um, uh, what, what, what's the other? Big Thief um, is uh, like a Brooklyn sort of folk band. Yeah. Um, not, but folk is a misattribution, though. I keep seeing everyone call them folk. Do you feel like that's really a on a, proper on a classification song, on a song like Paul? Yeah, but barely. That but, song has sort of a groove that's foreign know, to folk. I know, and then you get songs like "Real Love" that end up being really heavy. Yeah, or or masterpiece. It sounds like like a heavy country song, maybe, but not like a folk song. And like the folkiest thing they do is like "Velvet Ring." Yeah, you're right. It's not. It's, it's sort not of like a baroque, traditionally folky. It's just like a pop. It's a rock record. It is. I, I keep reading that they're this folk band. I don't really see it. I don't either. It's kind of like how. People called Hop Along a f kind of a freak, freak folk, folk band. That's how I felt at first, and then the more you really listen, it's like this is sort of just a rock record. Yeah, but uh, I, the I'm... other member of of Whitney was is from uh, Unknown Mortal Orchestra. He's oh, a former drummer. Right, right. Okay. Well, I mean, I I've been enjoying those records, and it's gonna be. I'm really excited to see where all this pans out and how things rank and stuff because you know we're nerdy beyond a point of reason. Yes. On about music. Yes. And we like ranking. I don't enjoy anything more than I enjoy ranking. You okay? Here's to put it in perspective. I like ranking things more than ninety nine percent of people I know, and you like ranking significantly more than I do. That's how much you like ranking things. I like yeah. ranking things a lot, <laughs> like too much yeah. that I like to rank things. You like it a little. It's actually taken me a while to come to grips with it because I always thought it was like kind of my thing. <laughs> I always thought. I'm like I always I rank things in my head. I don't rank things not as impulsive, not the same way you do. For me, it's I need everything to have its place and its order. In order. It's almost like an anxious thing for me. Where if it's not in order, it has no meaning. It doesn't mean anything. And right. why even bother? Is that why you don't like why you have more of a hard time like listening to an album once and letting it go? Yes. 
I can't do that. Because I'll do that. I'll I, pop I've gotten better at being able to do that just with the amount of music we've listened to. But really, I need to listen for me to feel okay with it like five times and it's to like, know exactly where it stands. It's kind of a guilt thing almost. Yeah. Because it and like yeah. sometimes I'm fine with just get like I just completely I'll listen to one once. If I'm not feeling it, I'll think you know maybe I'll revisit that at some point. In my, if not, in my in my favorite albums of all time, I feel like I need to listen to those just so much, like hundreds of times. Yeah. Before I, it's okay for it to be in that class. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. There's there's this weird because I listen to records a lot. I don't listen to albums as much as many times as you do. There's yeah, yeah, no question right. I don't. Yeah. I think I think that it's interesting to to consider how people actually listen to music. There, like I would say I listen to records much many more times than most, but maybe more I'm more around average for like a music fan. I think you listen to records a lot. I will I will listen obsessively. For example, I have listened to Holy Ghost by Modern Baseball. It's gotta be in the hundreds by now. Are you serious? Yeah. Hundreds? Yeah. I listened at least at least one or two times a day since it's come out. <laughs> at least, if not like three or four times. It honestly, it, like, it's funny because it really, it almost sounds like something on my strange addiction or something. <laughs> it sounds like something where, like, this is part of an intervention and I'm not really recording and people are coming down. It's like, all right, now, Sean, now. Let's, How let's, many times did you say you listen? Let's be calm about this. You start to lash out. Yeah. Your mom's crying. <laughs> it's a bad thing. I have not listened hundreds of times. It's probably, There's, it's probably about that for me. I've yeah. listened maybe 25 times, but hundreds. I don't know. That's. Definitely not. Twenty five is like a normal week for me, for that album. With just that album. Yeah, that's not probably. I don't know. And so it's interesting to. I mean, we don't probably have time, but it's interesting to consider the different ways that we listen to music or how different how people listen to music. Because I don't think that we appreciate it any differently. Uh well, for me, well, I can't say. I I don't know because I don't have your context for it. For me, I establish this deep emotional connection to the albums that I listen to that much. Oh, that much, sure. And they become a soundtrack for my life at that time and take on a new meaning based on whatever's happening in my life at that time. Me too, it's the same for me. And it's just, yeah, for me listening that much, it, it does that. I feel like there's just weirdly this different threshold we have. I feel like we encounter those feelings at different amounts of listens and I don't understand why. I don't know. It doesn't really make it doesn't make any Well, it's I don't know cuz do you get there and then do you stop? No, I just don't listen as many times in between. Is it because you 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 want to listen to other things, you don't feel like it? Do you get sick of it faster? That's such an interesting question. I really don't know what it is. Cuz when I get like this with certain albums where I just keep listening and listening, I will not get sick of it. I'll just like it even more and want to listen even more based on that deep emotional connection that has been established. It's a good question. I don't think it's a conscious thing, though. That's the thing is I don't think for me I, I spend time thinking I better not listen to that again or I'll get tired of it. I think I just know... It's almost like I know when I know how an album stands with me and when I love it, I just I know I love it, I appreciate it. When it's on, I'll listen to it. When I want to play it, I'll listen yeah, to it. Yeah. But I don't feel a pressure... It sounds like you almost feel a pressure to listen 150 times. No, no, it's not. It's just that I want to. Right. So that, yeah. And it's like, I don't know. It's just like, I never. There's no, yeah, there's no thought in my head where it's like, oh, I don't, I don't like this album as much if I don't listen this, this many times. Yeah. It's, I just want to. Because it feels good. That feeling though has happened to me with albums. Has it ever happened to you where you're listening to an album you always thought you loved, maybe for the first time in a while, and you're getting through it and you're like, I don't know if I liked that song as much as I used to. Yeah. I don't know if I loved... That has started to happen to me a lot with the albums that we loved in high school. Uh, like some of the more like classic rock ones. Yeah. Where sometimes I'll put on like... I don't know. It might be a Beatles album or it might be a Bob Dylan album. And I'm just like, ah, maybe I'm just not in the right mood right now. or But yeah. I like it a little bit less we'll than I thought I pop on Physical Graffiti and I'm, and I'm oh, like, there's... Yeah. There's a little filler on here. Yeah. I mean, this isn't like as amazing as I thought. Right. But then it's just, it's weird. And it's almost like, can you ever get that feeling really back? I don't know. Cause other times I've experienced it where I've played an album that I've heard hundreds and hundreds of times. And it's like, I'm hearing it for the first time again. 
and I'll text you during those times. I'll be like, dude, In Rainbows is amazing. Yeah, that's Actually, I, it happened with Is This It a couple, yeah. I think a month or so ago. I was listening again, and it was like I was hearing it among those first listens again. And a, every song was blowing my mind. It's a beautiful thing, and I would pay actually a lot of money for that to happen with Revolver for, by the Beatles. Dude, because Revolver is the perfect example of an album that I adored and loved that just doesn't do it for me anymore. Really? And it makes me sad, yeah. Is it just because you've heard it too yeah. many times? Yeah. I, it, it, I know what it's about at this point. Well, when I hear it, the problem for me and the way I describe it is it goes in one ear out the other because it's I I just have borderline memorized it. I know every like glitch on that album. Yeah. I, I and so and that's the same way with a lot of records where I can like it's you get to a point with an album where you don't only know the words, you don't only know the melody, you don't know only every guitar riff in it. You even know that at like two minutes in, you hear that little bit of laughter you heard on like the 90th time you listened. Yeah. And then you always hear that again. Yep. Or you know exactly how many seconds of silence there are between each of the each of the songs. Right. You can time when the next one starts perfectly. And it's funny because sometimes you'll be listening to one of those songs out of context on a playlist or something, and you immediately expect the next song to start, and when right. it doesn't, it throws you off a little bit. Yeah, and or like if you hear it on a Greatest Hits. Yeah. A good yeah. example of that is with Abbey Road. I always heard, so I had heard Beatles 1 before that. I think I've told this story before on the podcast. But Come Together... On Beatles, one comes after something. It's reversed on Abbey Road. It always tripped me out. Right. And or, like, a lot of my Beatles first listens of albums, specifically Help, were out of order. Oh. Because back when I was in high school, I didn't just have the album in order. I had to, I somehow got it from different sources. Like, I had a couple of the songs from Beatles, one, <laughs> I had a couple of the songs from other places. And it just was out of order in my iTunes, and I just rolled with it, and it, so that became the order that I knew rather than the one that it actually is. Yeah, and like, oh, like the other day I popped on the Tegan and Sarah record, the the new one. Yeah, listen to it on shuffle, right? Which right. pisses me off so much. I, I realized halfway through, I was like, oh no. I think you and I more so than anyone, we really really care about shit being in order. For example, the people who have oh. who who don't have Spotify Premium. Who are list who have to listen to albums or, or artists out of order and just shuffled? I don't know how they why they even bother. For the listeners who have stayed on and are listening to this part of the conversation, most of them are probably like, "What the hell are they talking about? Who cares if it's shuffled?" I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. If, if tweet at us if if we're wrong. But I think uh, most people don't give a shit really about album sequence too much. You should because we we talked we had. We had a couple podcasts about the best openers and the best closers. That shit really matters. Yeah, and well, I think some people think it doesn't. Some people it think really matters. Some people also would argue, Sean, that albums don't matter anymore. If those people, I don't want to know them. Even you might know some. I don't want to know them. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Well, maybe we'll never get to the bottom of this. I don't know what to think about uh, why. You might listen to albums more times than I do. I, I carry guilt through my life about it. Do you? Well, no. I mean, like in a weird, unspoken way. Really? Yeah, because it's like, do I? Is this? Do I not like it as much? Am I like? Is that why? Because am I? I feel like I love these albums as much. Like, it actually has always interested me. I'm like Jake. Just doesn't seem like he listens as much as many times. But it's. I don't feel like I have a lesser understanding of the albums. Right. If that makes sense. Sometimes I do. If it's one like you've listened to. 290 times. <laughs> right. I've listened what 17. You, here's a question. What do you think is your most, like your, your few most listened to albums? I think Revolver is probably it by the Beatles. And that's probably definitely in the hundreds. I don't know where. I, I don't, I'm not sure. What's your most listened to? I think mine's London Calling. Do you think it's like 200? <sighs> it's probably close. Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember in high school, you had London Calling and you were like, Jake, most of these songs are at around 106 listens. Yeah. I distinctly remember that number. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know if I've... Because that was back when, you know, you had iTunes and would track your play counts on things. Which, right. for someone like me, oh, who yeah. loves ranking and order and understanding where I stand with things, I loved. I couldn't get enough of that shit. I wish Spotify had a play counter for that. Yeah, I actually That's really some functionality they should add in. 
I don't know what my most listened to album is up is this year. I mean, Holy Ghost is up there because it's so short. I've listened to it. I've not listened to it in the hundreds. There's no chance in hell. But I have listened to it a lot. And but the thing is, I don't really count. Right. So I don't know. I don't either. But if I'm guessing, like that's about what it would be. Like this weekend, I think I listened like six or seven times. So after, say you're on listen 115, you're not even a trace tired of it. I, so far, I haven't been. No, that's what I'm saying is Interesting. this emotional connection, it's transcended being sick of anything. It's go. just, it's making me like it even more every time. Very cool. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm probably a crazy person, but. No, I don't think so. I think you just listen to music differently. But I, I always wonder if it makes you think that I like it less. Because you, I, I feel like you, you said you, you wondered about it. Well, I. Yeah, it makes me wonder compared to me. I'm just like, I listen this much and I know how much I like it. Yeah. I wonder if Jake feels the same way and I, or same connection. But it's like I have it, but it's like I always wonder if it's wrong that for me, sheer number of listens doesn't necessarily equate like as a direct relationship right. to love of an album. Right, which makes sense. Because you know I mean? it, it shouldn't necessarily. Right. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad we hashed this out. Yeah, this was a good, this was a good talk. Good talk. But, yeah, so speaking of ranking things, Jake and I will be putting together our top albums of 2016 so far through, for the first half of the year. Through June. Yep, through June. Uh, so you can expect that in the coming weeks. Um, yeah, I think that's it. We're also going to be moving out of Sean's basement. Yes, that's right. Oh, big news. Big news. Yeah, we're going to... Jake and I will be living together with some of our other friends. Got a house with friends of the pod, Max, Mary Kate, and Mitch Dizak, who was on that's the show. Right. Guess Dizak. That's Mitch, right. That's Mitch, right. Mitch, big friend of the pod, came on to talk uh, Animal Collective with us. So we'll need to scope out our new studio, Jake. Maybe we have some recurring characters like coming in, in yeah. and out of the room yeah. here and there. But we're gonna have, uh, you know. Um, a house together with a group of friends. Hopefully, it's not an experience that that kills our friendship. <laughs> I think it'll be okay. There's a serious okay. risk, but we'll see. Um, yes, yeah, so we'll be there. Need, yeah, we're going to decide where the new studio's at. We, maybe we go to the basement at this house. Maybe we go someone's bedroom. Maybe we have a designated area of the house. Who knows? The possibilities are endless, and I think we should explore a few. I agree. I agree. But uh, so we'll keep you posted on how that goes for sure. I think that about wraps it up. It does. It, it does. Yeah. Right. See you next week. Thanks, everyone. Sean, mm -hmm. on the drive here, mm -hmm. I saw a license plate that I misinterpreted. I saw it said G-O-D-Z-L-V-R. No. L-U-V. G-O-D-Z-L-U-V. So, I saw this, and if you know what it is, don't say it out loud. I thought, and of course this is where my mind goes to, I was like, oh, this person's a big Godzilla fan. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's Godzilla. Which is like, oh, maybe that was their oh, IM name. Okay. And I realized pretty quickly, and like I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking like, oh, well, that's an interesting, that's kind of a pun. That person must be clever. I wonder like what a Mothra fan would do. And then I realized it just means God's love. Uh, it's so much worse. It well, I, it's just like you know, I don't know. I th thought it was this whole like pun with Godzilla, and I realized that it's really not as like clever. You know why, Jake? Because you're living in sh in the shadow of sin. And you can't even see God's light coming through to you on a license plate. Why? Well, so I, you're I, ignorant to his bountiful gifts. <laughs> his cornucopia of love and affection. Maybe I, um, maybe. Ever heard of something called eternal life, Jake? <laughs> I receive it every Sunday at communion. <laughs> when I'm in communion with my community at church, Jake. So maybe me realizing that's what it said is was me like getting it. Yeah. How about you? You know what? You come down to the parish, Father O'Reilly. He'll baptize you. I've been. He'll hear. He'll hear your confession. What say you? I say. I've what been, do you say, Jake? I've been baptized. He'll ba he'll rebaptize you. <laughs> Why? In the cleansing waters of our Lord and Savior. Wow, uh, Sean, I gotta, I gotta be honest. You, it seems you've uh, turned a, a new leaf. Big heel turn for me. 
from last week. Yeah. Seems that way. Kind of seen a lot. Done a lot. Have you? In the last week? Yeah. Like what? Yeah. I Look, I'm Jake. Just come down, hang out with Father O'Reilly and I. That sounds horrible. Like, listen, if I'm going to embrace faith, it's going to be on my own terms. It's not going to be with you no, and, Jake, and Father O'Reilly. if you're going to embrace faith, it needs to be in the most rigid and unforgiving environment possible. AKA, Explain why, because it sounds like you know why not. The Catholic Church. Okay. okay? So I'm probably offending so many people by saying this. Probably. We've kind of run with it and kept <laughs> yeah, going. Yeah, we have. We have. The ultimate point was that the license plate that I thought was like a kind of a cool pun, maybe an, an AIM name, Godzilla. Yeah. I was like, oh, hell. XOXO. I, mean, I don't really care about Godzilla, but I was like, that's right. like at least clever. Right. And I was like, oh, it just means God's love, which like isn't, which is not really clever. No. It's not at all. Like, oh, I guess it's clever insofar as they figured out that it fits on a license plate and that they could do a Z instead of an S, but that's not clever. Vanity Who plates, wants to take the time to do that with license plates? Vanity, such, vanity plates are... a are, waste. They're such a waste. They are. And also it allows people to remember your license plate better yeah. so they can track your ass down. Absolutely. Although I don't know what sort of database people would be punching that information into. How are they finding you? Well, no, I'm... Well, this, isn't, this isn't like... Well, a couple things. One is like if you commit a serious crime and you drive off in your car and they're like, oh, right. that dude's license plate was badass MF. <laughs> With, like, three Zs, I know, like, I can call the cops and be like, yeah, it's this one guy who has this sequence of dumb letters in his dumb license plate. Right. But, on the other hand, it's like, if you live in town and you're doing stuff to people that's not savory, they can easily come track you down and pop your tires. That's right. You know, when I'm, when we're talking savory, I like to talk about stews and steak and cheese and things like that. Uh, when you're talking about unsavory, I'm talking about things like uh, ice cream or, hmm. um, you know, things that are more sweet. Or bitter. Or like bitter. That aren't it, uh, savory. I'm going to be honest. Like it does, an IPA. It in, doesn't seem you understood what I meant by unsavory. But that's fine. And I think we should move on. Okay. Or maybe we get started on the show. That's fine with me. Okay. That's, that's very fine with me, dude. Like, let's not talk about <laughs> the different senses. Those are tastes, Jake. Those right, are sub sorry. sub senses. There's like a new taste now, isn't there? Uh, is it savory? It might be. Yeah. Something like that. I don't know. I feel like savory's been kicking around for a while. Uh, all right, let's get started. Let's do it. Uh, three, two, one. <laughs> 